begins to, to, to speak, I believe. He says, Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, neither came I to myself, but he sent me. Amen. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. Hallelujah. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar, and the father of it. Amen. When do we know the devil's lying? His lips are moving. He's saying something. He's a liar. He was a liar and the murderer from the beginning. He doesn't change. That's the way he's always been. But because, in verse 45, I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Which of you convinces me of sin? For if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? Brother Branham would take that and begin to say, what's he saying? Say, which of you can tell me I'm not fulfilling the word of God that pertains to the Messiah? You can't look at me and say, I mean, every right down to the ladder of behold, a virgin shall conceive. He done fulfilled that. Yeah. Right from the beginning of, of, the, of his uh, corporal existence, he just fulfilled word after word after word. Exactly as it was written of him, not one word will fail. He says, why do you not believe me? He that is of God heareth God's word. Ye therefore hear them not, because you are not of God. My, let's turn over one page to John chapter 10. Just to solidify it. John chapter 10, verse 25. And Jesus answered them. I told you, and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me, but ye believe not, because you are not my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all. Amen. Amen. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Amen. I'll say it as Brother John said, if you want to sit, you can sit. If you want to stand, you can stand. It will not bother me. There's only a few of you here, so you will not be blocking the vision of anyone behind you. So whatever you feel to do, you just go right ahead and do that. God bless you. Amen. Amen. I just want to take from these, as I mentioned, having a holy speech and really just start out a little bit tonight and understand that Jesus, in all of these things, he begins to speak to them. He doesn't begin to talk to them so much about the works as much as he's talking to them about the word and that the works that he does is because of the word that is spoken of him. He says, I do these things because my father said I would, or the word of God said I would do these things. So that's why I'm doing them. I told you why I do these works. You don't believe me. So he's saying, talking to them in this way that, 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 that you, you, you cannot believe me because you're not of my father. You're of your father. In other words, if I speak the truth, you're not going to believe it because your father is a liar. If I told you a lie, you'd probably buy it because that's what your nature is. Amen. And the nature of the individual must come out in that way. But, but now he begins to speak more personally to, to the believer and say, my sheep, they know my voice. They, they know me. They follow me. I know them. I know each one. I know where I put my seed. Amen. God did not put predestinate, did not predestinate people just at random of uh, just throwing out seed like that and not knowing where they'd land. He knows his seed. He knows every hair of your head. He knows everyone that is there. The scripture says that how, how cheaply sparrows are, are sold for for an offering. He says, but aren't you worth much more than that? Every hair of your head is numbered. Everything about you, God knows it. There is nothing that is out of cater or out of order in God's mind. Amen. He knows all things. And more than that, he says, my sheep, they know my voice because there's something in them to receive that voice. 
Amen. That you're, you're predestinated to live in a certain time, in a certain hour, to hear a certain word of God that would ignite the seed that's in you so you couldn't help but live the truth. You couldn't help but believe it, even if you can't understand it, because some of us are educated and some of us are not educated. It doesn't matter to God. What matters to Him is He put a seed in you, and that seed will respond, and that seed must come forth, and it must bring forth that which it was predestinated to bring forth. The Scripture says some 30, some 60, some 100-fold. It didn't matter. What mattered was what He predestinated. This is what it would bring forth. That's what it will bring forth. Praise be to God. But his sheep, his, they know his voice. In other words, there's, there's an audible word. There's something that's spoken. There's a word that goes forth that catches the attention of an individual. There is, it's, it's not so much an action as much as it's the word of God that goes forth that creates the action. But now what it is, is it's a word that goes forth. He says, my sheep know my voice. They know what I'm speaking. They know the word. They'll recognize the truth. That's why we can't deny the message of the hour. Because we recognize as a sheep that it lines up with the word that we have from generation to generation. We know that it lines up with that. We can't deny it because it rings true. Amen. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 13. This would be a very, very familiar scripture to us all, I would hope. If you listen to the message, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 6 says it this way. He says, so that we may boldly say that the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Amen. Remember them which have the rule over you who have spoken unto you the word of God whose faith follow considering the end of their conversation which then he puts in the next verse which is Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. So them that have preached the word to you, what are they preaching? Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today and forever. Not a changing gospel, not a changing doctrine, but something that rings true only to the believer. To those that do not have the seed of God, they want something that evolves with time because they see the laws of the land change and and, then the morals change. And so they want something, as the scriptures are heaping upon them, teachers having itching ears, they want to hear what's going to scratch their back, so to speak. But that's not for the bride because those that have the rule of you, those that are preaching the word to you are going to preach Jesus the same. Because it's going to be the same word that delivered Jesus when he was there being tempted of the devil. That's going to deliver Mrs. Jesus Christ at the end when she's being tempted of the devil. Consider the end of their conversation. Praise be to God, their conversation. We're going to have to come back to that in a minute. Let's go to Luke chapter 24. We lay this in as a foundation. Luke chapter 24 and verse 13. You can just go ahead and put it up there. I'll find it eventually. Luke 24 verse 13 says, And behold, two of them, this is the scripture Brother Branham uses this as a text for uh, events made clear by prophecy and modern events made clear by prophecy. It says, And behold, two of them went that day, that same day, to the village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs, and they talked together. And all these things which had happened. And remember, Brother Bram would start to pick that up and say, you know, when you start talking about Jesus, he begins to draw near. Amen. And it, it, it come to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. And their eyes were holding that they should not know him. Amen. And he said unto them, what manner of communications are these? That ye have one of another as ye walked and are sad. So notice there is something happening here. There is a conversation happening. There's a communication and and, then the influence it's having on one another is making them sad. They're talking about Jesus, but it's making them sad. Because as they're talking about him, they're talking about him as a crucified Lord. Because they're missing the next part of the story where he wasn't just crucified. He rose again on the third day. 
He didn't stay in the grave, but because they were missing that, the conversation had an influence on one another to make them sad. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that you, are, that you have one with another as you walk and are sad? And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? My, I wonder how many times the Lord does that to us sometimes. Go ahead, tell me. Go ahead, talk to me those things that I've told you already. Go ahead, show me all the things that I already know. Witness to me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Sometimes he just likes to have a conversation with us. Amen. All right. And they said unto him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was, uh, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. It was good things they were saying. And now the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and was to have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been that he should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen visions of angels which said that he is alive. And certain of them which, were, which was with us went to the sepulcher and found it, even as the women had said, but him they saw not. I want you to understand something here for a moment. Here's two men that they begin to describe to him all the things that were making them sad. What a thought to hear they're saying, listen, uh, he said that in three days he'd raise it up again. He said, destroy this temple in three days I'd raise it up again. And now they begin to testify and say, well, it's the third day and the body's gone. This is a terrible atrocity. Fear is stricken their hearts. They're sad because what in the world's happened? What's going on? What is happening to our Lord? We thought this would happen. We thought it would happen like this. We thought it would happen like that. They even had as disciples a preconceived idea of what their revelation meant. They thought it would all unfold in a certain way, that it would happen just according to this way. And they'd heard the words of Jesus. They knew who he was. They, they had good things to say. He was a prophet. He was mighty. He was a great man. We thought he was the redeemer of Israel, but now he's gone. But oh, the next verse that he says unto them, he says, oh, fools, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them all the scriptures and the things concerning himself. Oh, praise be to God. He just began to expound to them revelation beyond what they had. They should have been rejoicing. This conversation they were having should have made them happy to the point of rejoicing because they had his word to say in three days I'd raise it up again. They had the words of the prophet that this would happen. I will not suffer my holy one to see corruption. They had all the word. They, had, they could say day in and day out, it's my revelation, but yet it was not really real to them. They were missing something. And it took Jesus to come by their way. To reveal it right there. To begin to walk through all the scriptures and say, but it says this. But it says that. And their eyes were holding them. As the scripture says, if we were to follow it down, they said, did not our hearts burn within us? Why? Because something had to start to take place. If there was a seed of God in them, then we could think about it. Man, this guy really knows something that we should know. He really seems to know something that we should have picked up on a long time ago. He really seems to know more than us. He really seems to know. I mean, he's just telling me the scriptures that I've read, but he's putting them together in a way that just makes sense. How can these things be? Now, I have to take a step back at this moment in order to deliver this properly to you, so bear with me. Lebron says this, I think it's in the message, uh, the, the identified Christ of all ages. He says, in God is a great being. In the beginning, God, see, he wasn't even God to begin with. God is an object of worship. He was called, there was nothing to worship. He was self-existent Elohim. There wasn't nothing to worship him. Then he created angels, and there was something to worship him. But in this great God, Elohim was attributes. 
There was attributes in there to be God. Amen. There was attributes to be God, to be worshipped. There was attributes to be Father. There was attributes to be Son. There was attributes to be Savior. There was attributes to be Healer. All of these attributes was in God. Amen. That's not new to us. But if you've ever got, Brother Brown says, if you've ever got eternal life, you were in God's attributes because you got eternal life. Jesus came as a redeemer. To redeem means to bring back from where it started from, right? You were in God's thinking. You were an attribute of God. He says he might have had to breathe this with that and come down here and down there. Oh, my. He knew all of that. He knew who your parents, grandparents, great, all the way back to Adam. He knows your lineage. I'm not worried about going on some tree thing and figuring out my lineage. He knows it. And he ordained it that way, so that way I would come to be at a certain time, at a certain place, at a certain season to fulfill a certain word. So I'm not concerned about the sins of my, my heritage. I'm concerned with what I'm doing right now. But now it says that you are in God's thinking because redeemed doesn't mean to, put, to bring something new. It means to bring back to where it came from. And he says, now like a man making chimes for a church, he says he puts in so much brass, so much iron, and so much gets the right pitch, just right. Mulder knows how to put it in. If he doesn't, it doesn't get the right ring. He says, and God knows exactly where you belong and what age you belong in, and therefore if you have eternal life, the word eternal means never did begin and never can end. Hallelujah. So whoever you were, you were, you always were. You were God's attribute being displayed. A word in the beginning was the word. So he says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And all of that, he's saying, you were there. You were in his thinking as he was thinking in his mind of Christ, the redeemer, the kinsman redeemer, the lamb being slain. As he was thinking about that, he was also thinking about you. Because if you were in his thoughts in the beginning, you were always there. If you have eternal life now, you never had a beginning. And you can no more die than God can die. And the word, and the word, the word is a thought made manifest. You have to think it to speak it. Like if I was to, to think or if I was to say microphone, I'd have to think microphone before I said microphone. It's a thought that becomes expressed. And he says, and we are God's attributes displayed. We are God's attributes displayed. He says in another place in perfect faith, he says, knowing who he was, talking about Jesus, without a shadow of a doubt, he knew he was the Son of God. He knew it for the Word identified it. The Word of God identified who he was. He said, if I do not the works of my Father, then don't believe me. If I do not the works, don't believe me. But if I do, then believe the works. For they are, the, they are the manifested word promise. What's he saying? If you can't just take the word and believe the word, believe the works because they point to the word. He said, because I'm only doing them because that's what I always promised I would do. And he says, oh, if you could just wake up to that a minute. You see, the word identifies, it, the word itself identified him. Who he was. And he said, who can condemn me of sin? In other words, who can show me that my life and my works don't fulfill exactly what the Messiah should do? Nothing could say nothing. Nobody could say nothing about who he was. Then he had faith to believe then. And whatsoever he said, it would happen. Then he turned around and said, the works that I do shall you also a little while the world seeth me no more, yet you shall, because I'll be with you even in you. Take no thought what you shall say, for if it's not you that speaks, it's, it's thy Father that dwelleth in you. He's the one who does the speaking. It's not me, it's the Father that dwelleth in me that doeth the works. See what I mean? That's why he's saying that the Pharisees, you're of the, your father the devil. Why? They couldn't help it because that was the nature that was in them. Praise be to God. But if your father is the heavenly father, you can't help but bear the fruits. You can't help but speak the word. You can't help but fulfill the word of God in your day. Why? Because it's the nature that's in you living out through you. He says, now the identification of a scripture Christian. That's what we want to be. 
We want to be a Christian according to the scriptures, a scriptural Christian. These words said Jesus, these signs shall follow them that believe. Now, how can you call yourself a believer of people and deny those words? How can you call yourself a believer and deny this word? See, you can't do it. You're not a believer. Therefore, signs can't follow because you just, you, you just accept that you want to believe and the rest of it you won't. But you got to take the whole thing and believe it. And when you truly believe, not make believe, but really believe, then these signs follow them that believe. Oh my. He says that's the identification of a real scriptural Christian. That's a real identification that these signs shall follow them that believe what they shall lay their hands on the sick, they shall recover. They shall pick up any deadly thing, any, any deadly serpent attached to them, it won't harm them. Drink a deadly thing, it won't hurt them. All of these things. What is it? It's an identification. It was an identification for Paul when he was on the island there and after they got shipwrecked, right, and there had become a viper out of the wood that he collected, lashed himself onto his hand. He just shook it off. It didn't bother him, but it immediately identified him. There's something about this man. It was an immediate identification that he didn't have to speak a word. It was something that was different about him that, 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 that because of faith in the word of God. In the same message, he says, for the word identified, identified himself what he was. And the same word identifies us. See, if a man loves me, he keeps my commandment. If he says he loves me and keeps not my commandment, he's a liar. And the truth's not even in him. You say, well, I don't, I don't believe all. Well, then you're just an unbeliever. That's all. The Bible said so, that makes it right. That settles it eternally. What the Bible said is the truth. Amen. Let's take it over to Isaiah chapter 33. I was, I was reading this scripture this morning. It just jumped right out at me and shared it with my wife and then had to share it with someone else this afternoon. I just... My, this is, this is what's going on. Isaiah chapter 33, as we look at this and recognize a real believer, if a man loves me, he keeps my commandments. The word of God, not, not, not me testifying of myself, but the word of God testifies who you are. Now in Isaiah chapter 33, we'll just pick it up for the sake of time at verse 14. It says, the sinners in Zion are afraid. Fearfulness hath surprised the hypocrites. Who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? Whom among us shall with everlasting burnings? Shall dwell with everlasting burnings. Now let me ask you, what is Zion a type of? The bride. Right? Zion is a type of the bride. Is there any sinners in the bride? No. There's sinners saved by grace that are no longer sinners because if you're born of God, you cannot commit sin. So it says the sinners in Zion were afraid. Fearfulness hath surprised the hypocrites. In other words, it begins to identify it and say, those that are sinful that are claiming to be of the bride. They're claiming to be in Zion. They're claiming to dwell in Zion, but he calls them right out. It says, you hypocrites, fearfulness has surprised you. you say, well, is that where we're at today? Absolutely. There's been plenty of people that have claimed for years and years, I'm the bride, I'm the bride, I got revelation, I got revelation. If you don't want to hear how I preach it, shut it off right now. But you want to claim, I'm the bride, I'm the bride, I got revelation, I got revelation. As soon as this thing sweeps across the land, cower in your own home. Oh. I never thought it would come this way. I never thought it would happen like this. This might touch me personally. 
I never thought it would be this way. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. Scared and completely surprised. Hypocrites. I told you. I warned you. Shut it off. You don't like straight preaching. But I have to preach it this way because that's what I'm reading in the scripture. Those that claim and say, well, I'm the bride, I'm the bride. I've got overcoming power. I'm more than an overcomer. But as soon as something sweeps across, scared out of your mind. You say, well, Brother Andrew, aren't you worried? You might get it. I don't care. What I care about is that I have a Holy Spirit in me that if anything were to happen, I've got a power that I've already read the scripture that is greater than all. Hallelujah. Well, don't, don't be foolish, Brother Andrew. No, absolutely. Do what you can do. Do everything that you can do, but don't cower in fear. These men that were on the road to Emmaus, why? They were so surprised it happened this way. Their conversation was making them sad because of the, how did this come about this way? I didn't think it would happen this way. I thought he'd come this certain way. But Jesus comes and says, oh, fools. Slow of heart to believe everything I've already told you. There would have to be pestilences. The scripture clearly writes it. It has to come this way. So I thought they shut down the church with a military force to turn it into a warehouse. Oh, come on. Where do you find that in the scripture? Where do you find that in the, in the message? Oh, the message says they turned it into a warehouse. Uh-huh. How are they going to do it? No idea. Like this? No idea. Will I be surprised, though? Not really. This is going to happen. Whoever it happens, it happens. Break the Lord, though. I don't want to be here. Because it says this now. It says, he that walketh, verse 15, righteously, and speaketh uprightly, he that despiseth the gain of oppressions, that shaketh his hands from holding bribes and stoppeth his ears from hearing of blood and shutteth his eyes from seeing evil, he shall dwell on high. His place of defense shall be the munitions of rocks. Bread shall be given him. His water shall be sure. Oh, hallelujah. He shall dwell on high. Oh, we love that scripture, don't we? Psalms chapter 91. We read it, Brother Ron Spencer gave it to us, and he said that he was reading it as, as admonition daily. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I shall say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. It says that surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. Who's going to do it? Him. It says in Isaiah 33 and verse 16, it says, he shall, he shall dwell on high in the high place. The Lord is my tower. The Lord is my refuge. He shall dwell at his munitions, his defense, his munitions shall be rocks. What is that? Stones. Revelation. What is our defense? The revelation of the word of God. Say, well, I just, I, I'm just dwelling in the most high. What's your defense up there? It's a revelation of the word of God. It's the only way to get there in the first place is to be born into it. Furthermore, bread shall be given him. Oh, my spiritual manna. And his waters shall be Sure. Says in the next verse, and thine eyes, verse 17, shall see the king in his beauty. They shall behold the land that is very far off. Thine heart shall meditate terror. Where is the scrub? Where is the receiver? Where is he that counted the towers? Thou shalt not see a fierce people, a people of a deeper speech than thou canst perceive. In other words, you cannot be deceived. It would deceive the very elect if it was possible. Since those that are in that place, they won't have somebody come to them with a deeper speech than they can perceive. In other words, they won't be deceived by great man's swelling words. It says, of a stammering tongue, 
that thou canst not understand. Oh my, we could go into that for a while. It says, look upon Zion, the city of our solemnities. What does that mean? Solemnities means to be, have a sincere attitude. The city of sincerity. Zion, the bride of Christ. A place of a sincere attitude towards the word of God. Not taking it just jokingly, well, it's a great time, well, it's this, well, it's that, we thank God for this. No, no, but take it with sincerity to walk in fear of the Lord. Thine eyes shall see Jerusalem a quiet habitation. Hallelujah. A tabernacle that shall not be taken down, not one of the stakes, therefore, that shall never be removed, that, that shall ever be removed, neither shall any of the cords thereof be taken. But there the glorious Lord will be unto us a place of broad rivers and streams, wherein shall go no galley with oars, neither shall gallant ships pass thereby. Hallelujah. There ain't nothing to fear there. There ain't nothing to fear in that high tower. There ain't nothing to fear in the Lord. You can just rest in the Lord. You say, well, there's a strong galley. You can't come up this river. There's a river of life. It says, for the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our Lord giver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. Thy tacklings are tossed. They, they, they could not well strengthen their mast. They could not spread the sail. Then is the prey of a great spoil divided, and the lamb take the prey, and the lame take the prey. And the inhabitants shall not say, I am sick. <laughs> Hallelujah. Doesn't say the inhabitants will say, I'm sick. No, the inhabitants shall not say, I am sick. And the people that dwell there shall be forgiven their iniquity. Hallelujah. There is no sinners in Zion, but even their iniquity shall be forgiven them. Which is to know better and still do it. Amen. Your iniquity shall be forgiven you if you stay under the blood of Jesus. Oh, my. To live there, there is no saying, oh, I'm sick. See, is all sickness done away? No, we still have these unredeemed bodies. We still have these unredeemed bodies until we're in the millennium. At that point, Satan will be bound with change of circumstances a thousand years because he will have no one to work on. He will have no one to get sick anymore because there will be an perfect theophany body. But over here, we're still in this unredeemed flesh. So this flesh could get sick. But in those that dwell there, it says, don't let them say. They shall never say, I am sick. Why? Because there's something in them to overcome that sickness on every hand. Greater is he that's in me than he that's out here in this flesh. Praise be to God. We always want to put it out there. I was thinking about that scripture. You know, we always want to put greater is he that's in me than he that's way out there in the world. Greater is he that's in me than he that's trying to afflict my flesh. Greater is he that's in my soul, that's in my control tower, that's able to bring my spirit under subjection, that's, that is also able to bring my flesh subject to the word. That is a greater force than the outside force of the world trying to come in. Oh, praise the Lord. I want to put one thing here just so you'd understand, maybe an extreme example. Brother Branham says, so beautifully displayed in the prodigal son, I was lost. This is my son. He was lost, but now he's found. He was dead, and he's alive again. Bring forth the fatted calf, the best robe, a ring, put it on his finger. He says, no wonder the morning stars sang together, and the sons of God shouted for joy when they seen the plan of salvation. Hallelujah, I was there. God putting your name on the book before the foundation of the world. Now it would seem like, well, then I could do anything I want. He says, now you say the very next paragraph, Kelvin believed something like that. He said, I didn't believe Kelvin. Kelvin was a murderer. Kelvin put a man to death because he baptized in Jesus' name. He was a rascal, needed to be converted himself. Yes, sir. But what he said, some kind of things he said was right. He said, but his action, a man that would kill a man for something like that, that's horrible, that's sinful. 
That's what we call Calvinism today, where you just live any way you want, and the grace of God just covers your sins, so it's not that way. Your name was put on the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world, but that doesn't mean you can just live any way you want. That means that there's a life that needs to be in you because there's something that's put in you. Oh, my. Those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, they have a less chance of sinning. Because there's something in them that's pushing them. That's pulling them. It's a deep calling out to the deep that they want to do right. They're pushing them. It's not a serpent seed that just there's no conscience of sin. No, there's a conscience. Oh my, that might be an extreme example, but it's the truth. There's no sinners in Zion. Only hypocrites. Pretending to be what they're not. The only hypocrites, oh, there's real believers in Zion because that's what Zion's made out of. That's what the bride is, is real believers. But there's also those that claim to be a part of it that sooner or later their fruit becomes made manifest. I want to read you a few quotes. We'll get to a scripture too. It says, the token, in the message, the token, he says, the token is the word identified in you. Living itself out. I love that. He doesn't say that it's the, it's, it's the word in you and you're living it out. He says the token is the word identified in you living itself out. In other words, you can't help it. That's God being his own interpreter. You don't have to say, well, now you interpret my tongue. That ain't it. He interprets your life by the word. When he takes your word that you are and identifies his word through there. So in other words, what you're speaking out of these lips are not your words. They're his words. Now we're getting to our subject of having a holy speech. Where he says when he takes your word, what you are, and identifies his words through there, your speech and your actions. He says there don't need any interpretation. It's already there. Hallelujah. In other words, when you're living and speaking the word of God, you don't have to justify it. The Word of God justifies it. You don't have to try and back it up and say, well, I did this because of this and this and that. No, no, the Word of God justifies who you are. Jesus didn't have to take a step back and say, well, you don't understand. Let's take you through the Word. No, he just looked at the Pharisees and said, believe the works. Look back in your prophets. Look back in your Word. You do it because the Word testifies who I am. I don't have to justify it or explain it or help you to understand it. The Word prophesies. The message, the identified Christ of all ages, she says, and there is one thing that we are sure that he can't do. He cannot go against his word and remain God. Hallelujah. That ought to make us rejoice. He cannot go against his word and remain God. He can't say one thing and do another. He has kept... He has to keep his word because the word is God and God is identified through his promised word in an age. Hallelujah. It says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Now, I want to take this for a moment. How are we doing? Still a little bit of time. All right. We're going quickly, so we're good. In the, in the first beginning, the first book of the Bible... The Bible says in the seed of discrepancy, God told them not to break one word of that. Every word must be kept. They must live by that word. Jesus in the middle of the book come along and said in that age that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And in the closing of Revelation foretold to us, whosoever shall take one word out of the book or add one word to it, his part will be taken from the book of life. I want to just bring a specific notice to a certain word, and that is the word word. There you go. It's a tongue twister for you. Notice the word word. There we are. And as he begins to speak, he said, don't take one word out. Don't add one word to. 
Live by every word. Don't, don't discount any word. Don't, don't take anything away from it. Live by it. It's a word. What is a word? A word is a thought expressed. We're now what's in the word of these, this word of God. It was an attribute of God that began to be expressed now. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That was an attribute of God that began to be expressed because God spoke what was in his mind. Are you with me right now? This isn't new, but we know that this is, this is real and this is truth. He spoke his thoughts, and out of that came heavens and earth and light and all of these things and all the animals and the trees and, and the ball of body life. And then out of that came Adam and Eve because he spoke. His thoughts became expressed into the Word, and it didn't stop there. It went down through time into where now the, Holy, or the, the Scriptures were written by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Was it God spoke to the prophets? And they begin to write, and they begin to pen what we call the Word of God. The Holy Bible, the Word of God, it is a holy word. It is a holy speech written, a love letter to his bride in each age. This is a holy Bible. It's not an unholy word. When God speaks, it's holy, holy, holy. When his thoughts are expressed, they're holy thoughts expressed in a holy word. Catch this now. God doesn't have sinful thoughts. He doesn't have unrighteous thoughts. His thoughts have always been holy and to bring glory to his name. So when he thinks something, it's a holy thought. So when he thought of you, if you want to say amen, I was in the thoughts of God. You were there as a holy thought. And then when he began to speak that and begin to express it to your parents, that they did, some of them maybe didn't even realize that when they suddenly had this thought, I'll call this one Mark. That was the thoughts of God coming down, saying, this is my attribute, that I've, 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 I've channeled it all in a certain way so he would be a certain kind of an individual. Because back in the beginning, before there was anything, he had a thought. That was a holy thought. And there had to be a holy manifestation of a holy thought. Now, when that was first born, it was born in sin. It was not at that time holy, but God was molding it. God was shaping it for a purpose. To bring it into the image of the thought that he had before the foundation of the world. You go with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. Very close to where Brother Ed was scrambling to find this morning. And now I'm scrambling to find. First Peter chapter 1, verse 15. says, But as he which called you is holy, so be holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. So now it says this, For as he which called you is holy, so he had a holy thought, and he spoke. It was a, a word that came forth that produced that thought. It was a holy conversation. It was a holy word that went forth in order to manifest the thought. So by predestination were his attributes, the expression of his holy thoughts. And holy thoughts are not expressed in unrighteousness. They have to have a holy expression. As Christ was identified by a holy word lived out in his life. Proving what kind of an attribute he was. Proving that all that God was, he poured it to Christ and he manifested that. So is it with his bride proving his reproduction in these last days according to his word? Not according to something else, not according to our own ideas, but according to his word. See, that's why Brother Brown would say, it's got to line up with the word. It's got to go back, watch the fruits, and watch that it lines up with the Word of God. She must be a righteous expression of the holy thoughts that were of her before the foundation of the world. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Still trying to move quickly because as I said, I... I want to deliver this to you tonight. And 
lot of times we're taken up in background, but we'll, we'll get this out. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1. says, I therefore, a prisoner of, of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Remember 1 Peter chapter 1 says, As he called, I called you as holy, so be ye holy. And here Peter, Paul begins to write and says, Walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. A vocation now is a summons or a, call, a calling of the will of God. What is the will of God? It's his thoughts. That his thoughts became expressed by words. So in that, that, that expression of his thought, it was a calling to you. That's why there's a seed in you that you can't help but see the truth. You can't help but believe it. You can't help but walk in it. Why? Because it was you are his will expressed in this age. Oh, my. And it says with all lowliness. You'd think maybe we ought to be a little proud about it. But no, it says in all lowliness and meekness with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, which is Christ, our Lord, one faith, one baptism, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. In you all, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Oh, thank the Lord. It wasn't just that he just called us to it and said, just go out and do it. No, he said, I'll give you grace to that measure. I'll make sure you get there. If you jump down to verse 22, this is where we want to get to now. Where it says, that you put off. Concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Verse 25, wherefore, put away lying. Speak every man truth to his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Hallelujah. Take one more scripture right now. Second Peter chapter 3. See, it's a lot of scripture. I just don't want anyone on the screen falling asleep. Keep them turning. I know they got comfortable couches and Amen. If you have to, just cast down anything that troubles you. Stay with the Word of God. Amen. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 11, one verse here. It says, Seeing that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Hallelujah. In the beginning, a holy God with eternal thoughts, holy eternal thoughts or attributes spoke. And by faith, believing his word righteous, it came to pass. And the Lord saw that it was good. But he just continued to speak. Continued to speak. This created, that created. On the seventh day, he rested a type of the first 2,000, second 2,000 and all of this. Thousands of years, 6,000 years. And on the seventh they, he rested. 7,000 years. The millennium. There we go. All right. But now, and, and continued down through time to all the different prophets and things. He continued to speak an expression of Christ. But now, as this expression, as his expression, we ought also to speak holy thoughts to the glory of God. If we're an expression of God, what are we expressing? What, what are we expressing from us? Let me ask you now, what is a conversation? This is a holy conversation. Well, we are, what manner of persons ought we to be in all holy conversation and godliness? So that pertains to your words and your actions. 
But he says a conversation, really, when you think about it, is an intelligent exchange of words between two or more individuals. It's an intelligent exchange. It's not an argument. It's not fighting, debating. A conversation is an intelligent exchange of words. That you're having a conversation. I'm talking, you're speaking back. I'm talking, you're speaking back. But, but words now, your words are your thoughts expressed. Therefore, your conversations are actually an exchange of thoughts. You're, you're, you're actually expressing your thoughts, and that individual is expressing their thoughts back to you. So you're not just speaking words mindlessly one to another. No, it's an expression of your thoughts, and you're having an influence by your thoughts. So it means that when, when you're, you're, it means your thinking has an impact on the thinking of those that you engage in conversation with. So your thought process is actually by you speaking to an individual, you're having an impact or an influence on their thinking. That someone could come to you, that's how you would convince an individual of something. You have an intelligent conversation where you begin to have your thoughts on a matter begins to influence their thoughts on the same subject. And sometimes more than you realize. Sometimes you begin to, you, you, you speak to certain individuals about certain outward appearances, whether it be hair on the face or the way you dress, and pretty soon they start doing the same thing. That's just how it is. They begin to, it begins to have an influence more than you realize. Why? Because it's, it's impacting their thoughts. But in order now to engage in holy conversation, you must first think holy thoughts. It wasn't just that God created and saw that it was good, but it started out as an expression. It started out as his thoughts. It was a holy thinking, and he spoke those thoughts into existence. So in other words, to have a holy conversation, it has to begin with the renewing of your mind. To think holy thoughts. So that way the words that you speak come out holy. And we ought to be sure that by holy conversation, you're having a holy influence on the thinking of others. Here was two men on the road to Emmaus. And in their thinking, their thinking on the matter was a matter of sadness. That Jesus had died and Jesus, oh, it was all over. It was finished and all of these things. What were we going to do about it? It was just bringing them lower, excuse me, lower and lower and lower. Until finally... But Jesus came by the way. Because even though their thoughts were thinking of sadness, they were still talking of Jesus. But as Jesus began to come, he began to bring them thoughts of joy. Thoughts of peace. He began to influence them in such a way that their hearts begin to burn within them. And they begin to think, my, when they, when they finally came and they break the bread the way he done and their eyes were open, then they begin to look, oh, didn't we think about it? Didn't we recognize? Didn't our hearts burn within? This was the one. Well, he had an impact by a conversation, a holy influence. Go to Matthew chapter 12 as we're closing. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 31. It says, Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. But the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. For whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Notice it says, he that speaketh against. It's, it's, a, it's a thought. So it has to start out as a thought that you begin to think, well, how can that be? Well, how can this be? That, this, that, this. And you begin to express that thought as an unholy thought, an unrighteous thought against the Word of God, against the Holy Spirit. But it says, either make the tree good with good fruits, 
with the fruit good. So in other words, the thing, the tree is either got to be good or in the next one it says, or else make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by its fruit. Amen. So you say, well, well I want to bear good fruit, but what's in you isn't good. You're not going to bear good fruit. It's just going to come out corrupt, corrupt, corrupt. Why? Because the thoughts on the inside are not holy. Cast down imaginations and every vain thing that would exalt itself. He says, oh, generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A good man out of a good treasure of, of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word of men that speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Whew. That's powerful. By your words, by the confession of your mouth, is it because that is coming not just as a confession, that's coming from the heart. It has to start out as a thought that you begin to, to dwell upon that thought and it begins to push out. You say, why are you going this direction? I'm going in this direction for a reason because I need you to understand something here what God's laid on my heart. Is in this day we're living in where there's fear on every hand. The things that you're feeding on, the things that your thoughts are dwelling upon is what will come out of your mouth and it will have an influence on those around you whether it be for fear or whether it be a holy influence. And who's responsible for that? The individual speaking the words. I have to say something here. Don't just say, I'm just repeating what was told me. No, it's true or not. Know what you're standing on. We have that so much today in an age of social media. We had a, I told a young brother that I played a joke on his family, an April Fool's joke. He just come home. They sent him home early because it was cold out. So he went home and he just told his brother and his, told his mother, I quit. Went in his bedroom, closed the door. And they were like, oh, man, what happened? He quit. What happened? But it wasn't true. He come out hours later and said, April Fool's. Gotcha. They really got them. But sometimes we hear something that isn't true. And we just start spreading it around. It's so easy nowadays. Somebody posts something and it just. It's like, hold on a second. Is this true? Is this checked here or are we just spreading stuff around? Is our conversation holy? Are we having a holy influence on people? Or is it like, well, I heard somewhere that there's a new, forgive me, there's a new restriction. So we better just, just follow this and follow that and follow this. Well, hold on a second. There's officers in the church that are going to double check in these things. They're going to look in these things. Have faith. Don't run around fearful now. Have faith. God's got a plan. God's got it worked out. Let your conversation be uplifting to one another. Is this all right, Brother Jared? Let your conversation be uplifting to one another, upholding one another, having a holy influence on one another, affecting the thoughts of, of one another. You want more scriptures for this? My, you could go to Psalms 50, Ephesians 2, Philippians 1, Philippians 3, 1 Timothy 4, James 3, 1 Peter 3. How many scriptures do you want to talk about a holy conversation? Here's some more. Matthew 26, Colossians 4, Titus 2, Song of Solomon 4, 1 Kings 3, Job how many scriptures do you want? Have a holy conversation. Let the words that come out of your mouth, because you will answer one day for every idle word. That was actually my next scripture we won't go to, but that's Luke chapter 19. One day you will answer. We will answer. God, forgive us for every idle word. In a time like this, saints, I, I, we just need to bind together. Encourage one another. Uphold one another. As the musicians would come, uphold one another. Love one another. Had a conversation with Ron Spencer this afternoon, just encouraging one another, texting back and forth. Saying, Brother Ron, I got your video message. Just want you to know we love you. Just want you to know that. 
I'm sure you already know it, but I need you to hear it again. We love you. We love one another. We're all praying for you. We're not letting a day go by that we don't think upon these things, that we don't dwell upon them, we don't, we don't bear one another up in prayer. As the Scripture says in Ephesians, if I would have read through Ephesians 4, with every joint supplying, we're bearing one another up before the Lord in love, edifying each other in love. Let your conversation be holy, even as His conversation. He said, it's a long way to bring it about, Brother Andrew, but I had to bring it about this way so that you would understand, Brother John, if you would come, so that you would understand. We're an attribute of God expressed. What are we expressing? We say, oh, I'm an attribute of God, but I'm expressing fear. No, God's attributes don't express that. God's attributes express love. They express the word of God. Oh, don't you love the Lord? Let's stand to our feet. If you take one thing from tonight, just take this. Let your conversation have a holy influence on the thoughts of others.